Mark chapter 11, and let's read in verse number 23. Actually, let's go to verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now, I like this. He says, Jesus tells them the key to the supernatural is for them to have faith in God. You look in the margin, it says, have the faith of God. So Jesus says, have the faith of God. Or as other, even other translations say, have the God kind of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to have the God kind of faith operating in my life. You know, the Bible talks about different kinds of faith. It talks about uh, Thomas. Thomas had a faith that was dependent upon what he could see, what he could feel, what he could touch. And so when Jesus appeared to him, he said, Thomas, don't, don't you doubt. Reach your hand in. Put it in my side. Put your hand, your finger in my hand. And be not faithless, but believing. Well, because a lot of people, what they try to do is get Abraham's kind of faith and blessing. They try to get Abraham's blessing with Thomas's faith. But you'll never get that. You have to have... Abraham's faith. What? He counted it done. I like what Mary, the Bible talks about, you know, people revere Mary, but they never talk about her faith. And we don't worship Mary, but, but you know what the Bible says, talking about Mary, the angel appeared to her, hell, you're, you're highly favored. She said, how shall this be? Now, she wasn't like John the Baptist, like Zechariah, where he said, you know, hey, he, you know, he was kind of scoffing at it. He said, you're going to be dumb. You won't be able to speak for all this whole time. But she was just, she was wondering. She said, Lord, you know, how should this be? And I like the answer. The Holy Ghost. <laughs> the Holy Ghost shall come on you. And so that's the answer in every question is the Holy Ghost shall come on, upon us. So Jesus says, have faith in God. And then he goes on to talk about this faith. And he says this. For verily I say unto you, you know, someone, a, a kid was in church and they said, who is that pastor he keeps talking about? And they keep calling that kid's name called verily. Because they keep saying, verily, verily, I say unto you. <laughs> he says, verily or truly I say unto you, that whosoever, everyone say, that's me. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, another word for that word, doubt, is actually differ. So don't let it, whatever you're saying in your heart, believe in your heart, don't let it differ with the words of your mouth. But you shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. Guess what? He's going to have whatsoever he saith. You know, a lot of people mock with what they call the word of faith. They mock confessing and possessing. But this is the words of Jesus. You know, it's the words of Paul that said, the word of faith which we preach. So if people, if people want to come against that, then they're coming against the Bible. Amen. I believe in all of it, though. <laughs> he says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I want to just speak for a few minutes about how to develop 
strong faith. How to develop strong faith. Who wants to have strong faith, overcoming faith? You know, it's no doubt that the stronger our faith is, the easier we'll be able to receive. Now, it's, it's amazing because it doesn't take some huge amount of faith that's insurmountable. The Bible talks about if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say. So it's, it's not just having this huge thing of faith, but it's us acting upon that and putting it into practice in our life. So developing strong faith. You know, I believe that many people in their attempt to get answers to prayers, to, to get direction, they're looking in the wrong direction. You know, people, they're just, on one side, you have people that are wishing. Oh, boy, I sure wish it would be. You know, it's, it's like this. You know, a lot of people can say, well, you know, boy, I sure wish that I, I was, uh, I sure wish that I had big muscles. I sure wish that, you know, I, I was developed. Well, you know, all it takes is commitment. It takes knowledge. It takes commitment and actually going to the gym to do it. Oh, I sure wish that I could um, have my prayers answered. I sure wish I could have this. So people on one side, they're just hoping what they call hoping and praying. But then on the other hand, you have people that they know those things, but they're not doing what it takes to get it accomplished. It's knowledge acted upon that brings results. <clears throat> so I want to give you four different keys here. Nothing that's a major revelation, anything that's new. There's nothing new under the sun, but the Bible gives us different things that we can do to build strong faith. I want my faith to be stronger this year than it was last year. So number one, keys to building your faith, strong faith, number one, feed on God's word. Feed on God's word. Over in the book of Matthew, and sometimes we quote this, but it's good to turn to these verses and actually, like Brother Hagin used to say, let your eyes rest on the page. <laughs> now we see this when Jesus was tempted of the enemy and all of us, none of us are above temptation. None of us ever get to the point. Now, thankfully, we can close the door. <laughs> we, we can starve the flesh. We can starve temptation. We can do things. You know, sometimes you have to do like Joseph did. What did he do? When, when temptation came, he ran. When Potiphar's wife was there, I mean, she grabbed a hold of him and, and the next thing you know is his coat's there and he's way gone. He's in the next county. And so many times you just have to run. Amen. <clears throat> I, I remember hearing a story of a, a, a gentleman who, was, who preached in, in, the, in the Hagen Ministry Healing School. He said, there was a man who came in there and I'll give you the, the abbreviated version, but what happened is he he had, had started drinking and got into um, drinking socially, lost his business, lost his family, lost everything. And so he came to the healing school and just in desperation. You know, it's always good. At least some people do come to God, even if it's at the last moment. How much better it would be if, if people didn't wait to the last minute? But here he is, and um, anyway, he gets back to God. He gets his joy back. 
Anyway, he's, he's praying for him and God healed him. But this minister said he had something else pop up in his spirit at the same time. And he told me, he said, hey, do you remember what happened with, with Joseph? He said, what, what happened? He said, he ran. He had him repeat it. He said, I don't even know why the Lord was being so strong with me about it. But he had him repeat it several times. He says, what do you do when, when liquor comes back? When he says, you run. And he says that um, sometime later, he was good for a couple years. But then he was out with um, business people a business lunch and they started drinking and he thought you know one won't hurt and so that went on and then I think he um, see it only took see what the enemy's looking for is just that one more time you know and um, anyway he um, he drank and then four days later they found him in, in an alley and he was paralyzed. He was still living. But you could see why the Lord had dealt with him. Run. You know, I heard another story about a lady, a lady minister. She came out of that kind of lifestyle. And then she thought, well, you know, I can go back to the bars and witness. A lot of times that's not good. Most of the time that's not good. Why? Because you're putting yourself in, that, in a temptation. And... Um, this lady's there, she's starting to witness people and she noticed that she's putting her finger around the, the rim of the glass. Starting to lick the salt and all that and it's like, thankfully she got up and she just ran and got out of there. So I say, I say that to say, <clears throat> we can do things, make it easy on yourself in life. What do they say? It's easier, it's easier to pass the grocery store than it is the cookie aisle. It's easier to pass, you know, it's easier to pass the, the cookie aisle than it is your cupboard. Why? Because it's staring you right in the face. It's kind of like Christmas candy. You know, you, you have to eat it like 12 times a day till it's gone. <clears throat> but, you know, it's the same thing in our life. Whatever we feed on, feed on is going to grow. Matthew 4, here this temptation Satan uh, tempts him, and Jesus answered with the same thing we answer with. It is written, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what is our nourishment? What's going to be the first thing we need to do to build strong faith? The first thing is always putting God's word first, feeding on God's word. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. You know, the Bible talks about those that were addicted to the ministry of giving. Paul talks about that. People that had addicted themselves you know, there's something stronger than an addiction in the flesh. There is something in the word of God that overcomes. See, I know the, the, the power of this word to transform, and many of you do. You get this word on the inside, it, it just displaces everything else that comes against you. 
Notice what he says here in 1 Timothy 6. I'm sorry, on verse, um, I mean chapter 4. Verse 6 says, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine where until you have attained. So what, what's, um, what's a good minister supposed to do or any minister that's preaching the word? They're supposed to, you're supposed to be built up, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Now that doesn't mean every message is going to be on faith, but it should be of faith, from faith, to faith. You know, you can preach Bible verses in condemnation. So everything we, we preach should be have an element of faith about it. He says, but, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Does anyone have an amplified without me looking it up? <laughs> okay, you do? Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> I like what the Amplified says. Look in verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Listen what... Um, I'm going to start in verse 6 with the Amplified. If you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you will be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus, ever nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. Now listen to verse 7. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales, and silly myths. What do you think about mythology? It's silly. Why do people spend so much time on it then? He says, and express your disapproval of them. Train yourself towards godliness, piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little. See, that's what he's talking about is, is in reference to what? In reference to exercising your spirit. I like what I heard Jerry Savelle say 30 years ago. He said, you know, people say, well, bodily exercise... Profits a little. He said, yeah, but the little you do will profit you. So he's not saying not to. Not to but look, he says, for physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. So everything that we do Everything we do spiritually, we're going to take with us. You know, people say, well, will you know someone in heaven? Well, do you know them now? Then you'll know them then. And, you know, I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible also talks about different um, associations we have. And I believe that this, a lot of the associations we have now, we're going to have on the other side to some degree. And that's another message, but... He tells him in the King James, for bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, 
having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So if we're going to build strong faith, the first thing we have to do is put God's word first. And put yourself on a good diet of 100% word of God, faith, nourishment. Amen. I like to listen to other things. I like to listen to, to, to good teaching and preaching. But the first thing, you, you know, that's good supplements. Put the word first. Feed on the Bible for yourself. Can you say amen? Read your chapter every day. And I'm talking to me especially. Amen. Why? Because we get busy sometimes and then you realize I'm a week behind. Amen. I'm confessing right now. So, <laughs> so number one, feed on God's word. Number two, meditate on God's word. How am I going to build strong faith? I'm going to meditate on God's word. See, you can read the Bible, but it's another it's another thing to meditate on God's word. Why? Because I was just talking to an individual yesterday and he was talking about another person. How after our service on Sunday, he went over to their, their apartment and was asking, hey, you know, how'd it go today? And this person had watched two different services online, but could not tell him anything that she had, that she had watched. You know, a lot of times it can be like that. You know, it's, that's why a lot of times if I'm listening to something, I don't like having a lot going on because then 10, 15 minutes goes by, you don't even know what you've just listened to. It's like people that are, you know, you ever watch people when they're texting? <laughs> what happens is you go five minutes and you realize, I don't even remember passing that landmark. I don't even remember doing this. Why? Because you're, you're preoccupied and you're distracted. So we want to take God's word and begin to meditate on it. Joshua 1, verse 8. What is so awesome about the Bible is it's progressive revelation. And you know, a lot of times people, have you ever talked to somebody and you start to share a scripture and they finish the rest of the verse for you? You know, and they're like, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I already know that. But they're not walking in any of it. The Bible never said faith cometh by having heard 20 years ago. It says it comes by hearing. You know what's, what's amazing is when you see people like Brother Copeland or somebody who's been in the ministry 50 years and they, they take the Bible and say, did you see that? The Bible says that you shall have whatsoever you say. And let, let me just give you a little clue here. If something that, that is coming from the word, if it's old to you, then it's not real to you. But if it's new, if it's exciting, then that's something that you're putting into practice. Well, yeah, I know. I made a million dollars on that last week, and um, you know it's it's okay. No, you know if you if you made a million dollars, you knew something was working. If you knew that you got healed in your body, when someone reads a verse, you say, "Come on, give me another one. Give me another one." So here he says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein every once in a while. No, what did he say? Day and night that you may observe to do. So once we, we meditate in the word, the end result is 
that we practice it, that we put it into action, that we do something with it. And so he says that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Now, this word here, meditate, means to mutter, to talk to yourself. And so, you know, it's, it's something that you just have to do personally. I know I heard someone say this one time, and I just kind of adopted this. I'm not saying I do it all the time, but I'll break down each word. Just say, for instance, my God shall supply all my need. What do you say? My God shall supply. Well, he's my God. My God. Not, not, not just some idol, not what. My God shall. He shall supply. Not if, not maybe. He shall supply. Oh, man, he's going to supply. It's going to be a river flowing in here. He shall supply all. A double L. All my need. All of my need. Not just my brother and sister, but all of my need. According to his riches and glory. So you just break that down. You meditate. You just, you just talk it to yourself. And what's going to happen? You're going to get full of it. Have you ever looked, have you ever listened to somebody and you know in five minutes what they're full of? <laughs> you know, it's really not a trick question, but you, you do. You know exactly. Oh, man. I mean, I know certain people that within five minutes, it's, it's going to be about the country and politics and, and two or three other things. Not anybody that goes to church here. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's even like there's a lot of things that are good and beneficial. Even Paul said there's a lot of things. He said, but they're not advantageous. They're not expedient for me. There's certain things that they're good to have a little bit. You know, I like, I like sports and, and different things, but I personally don't know all the stats of every player, of every team. Why? Because I'm not full of that. <laughs> you know, there was a, um, many years ago, Kenneth Hagin said he was in a place and he was ministering. And this, um, this pastor would, he was there for three weeks. So they would go out, I think they'd have breakfast together, lunch, and, and after the service, dinner or supper. And um, he would tell three new jokes every time that they were there together. He said he only repeated one of them. And so he figured it up, and it was like 168 jokes or something like that. And uh, he always quoted his verses, you know, as he's preaching. And um, as he's preaching, then he said, you know what? I wish I could do that. He said, what? He said, quote verses like you. He said, you could if you quit spending time on all that, all your jokes and all the foolish stuff. See, you remember what you want to remember. Have you ever heard people say, well, man, I just, oh boy, I just forgot. You know, I just... I didn't mean to. I just totally forgot about that. You know what that means? It just means it wasn't as important to us as it should have been. Oh, man, I, I totally, sorry I forgot to pick you up. I forgot to call you about that. It just wasn't important. Amen. 
<laughs> so meditate on God's word. Talk it to yourself. What, what are you doing? You're getting a picture on the inside of something. You know, we did that for this building. Many people thought we were crazy. Where, when's it going to happen? When's it going to, well, we don't know. We just, we're sharing the vision. And it was almost just like, like you flip a switch and it just, boom, there it was. But we, we talked that for a long time. Because the Lord, he has to get a vision on the inside of us. <clears throat> Number three, keys to building strong faith. Confessing God's word. Confessing God's word. And this, this ties into number two in a, in, a, in a strong way. In fact, I'm going to, while we're there in Joshua 1.8, notice he says, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do. So part of that, that, that muttering is you talking it to yourself. <clears throat> now, a lot of people that don't believe in confession, they think that you're just trying to, you know, what a lot of people think? You're trying to manipulate God. As if God's not wanting to do something. You know, you just want to manipulate God. He, he doesn't really want to do that, but you're just trying to twist his arm to really bless you. I don't have to twist his arm. I'm not going to bankrupt heaven. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take all the healing power out of the balm of Gilead just because I call upon the, the Lord. But that's what people think. You know, and, and people think, well, just don't bother the Lord. You know, Lord, I can, I can take the little cares, but Lord, you take the big cares. No, he doesn't want you to have any cares. So as we confess the word, confessing the word is not just something that makes God give up and cry uncle and say, okay, I'll do it for them. No. Confessing God's word keeps that before you all the time. I heard somebody say this, like, like this. We talk about prayer moves mountains, but prayer moves you and then you move the mountain. Now, I'm not being sacrilegious when I say that and I'm not, I'm not denying the glory to God, but what happens is you get changed on the inside because God's already, he's already perfect. What does that mean? We had to renew our mind constantly. So begin to confess God's word. Over and on, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Hope you understand. I'm going to go back and say that because we are not the Savior. We are not the... We don't make... The Bible tells us that we just, we're supposed to speak to the mountain. We're supposed to, to curse things. We're supposed to deal with things. I'm not the creator. But God's word put in our mouth causes creative force to happen. So I'm not the source of it. But as we hook up with him, he brings it to pass. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we know <clears throat> this is as basic as it gets, being born again. What happens? You believe something, you speak something. He says, for with the heart, man believeth 
unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So anything that you believe that with the promises of God, you believe something and you, you confess unto it. You believe and confess unto the promises. That's why some people, they mockingly say and laugh at people that, that believe like this, but I'll say it and I'll go on record and say, I believe strongly what I confess, I possess. What I confess, you know, people say, well, that never works for me. Well, it did just there. <laughs> people say, well, I, I can't do it. Well, it worked just then. So with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or actually all the promises of God. You know, the Bible never said that we will receive answers to prayer just because we believe. You know, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble, but they're not saved. So it's not just believing. It's believing and confessing. You know, the Bible says in Mark 11 that we read earlier, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have, not whatever he thinks, but whatever he says. <clears throat> in that verse, the word believe is in there one time, and the word say is in there three times. And so the thing that we have to emphasize three times as much is the saying part. Many people have the believing part, but they, have, they are differing in their heart from what they're saying. I believe, I don't believe. I believe, I don't believe. You know, we're good in church, but then you get outside the church and it's like, well, I really never believed any of that anyway. You know, that's the way people do. So confessing God's word. <clears throat> and here's what, here's what it does. I think this is one of the greatest truths about this, confessing God's word. It keeps it right up here. It keeps it up here in your mind. But Why? because if the enemy can keep you full of the problem, what's going to happen? Then, then you're not going to receive. <clears throat> In fact, the Bible says in Joshua 1.8 that we just read, but you shall meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do. But what did he say? This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. A lot of people think, well, I'm going to change my mind and then I'll change my mouth. But you know what the Lord says? In that verse, he said, you change your mouth and then you, it changes your mind. But what do we do? We do it backwards. I mean, I, I, know, I know firsthand, I'm not going to think that, I'm not going to think that. And you just, you just get in this thing where you're just, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to do that. And what, what you really should do, you know, it's like this. Your, your mind doesn't understand the word not. I'm not going to eat the cake. I'm not going to eat the cake. What does your mind think? Cake. <laughs> your mind says, I'll, I'll take some now. <clears throat> you know, so that's why even people in the world, even people that, that self-help gurus and, and people that, that make millions on Bible principles, what do they say? Oh, they're always making positive affirmations. Not, I'm going to one day, but 
I am losing 10 pounds. I am doing this. I am changing this. Why? People are, are putting these things, and people are making millions off the Bible. So meditating on God's word, confessing God's word, what does it do? It superimposes the word on your mind. So if you want to change your, your thinking, change your mouth. <clears throat> what, what do most believers do? They, they wage a silent war. So they wage that silent war, and then it's like, you know, you can see the battle going on in their head. But if you just begin to put the word and confess it, you know, you can't think 20 things at the same time. Whatever you say in your mouth is going to be on your mind. I'm a new creature. Well, I remember what, I know what you did. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I've forgiven that person. No, I'm walking in love. No, I'm going to be a blessing. I mean, know that you have to remind yourself of these things constantly. <clears throat> so building strong faith. Feed on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Confess God's word. And then number four, practice the God kind of love. Practice the God kind of love. Look back at um, Mark 11. We, we stopped with verse 24. But don't stop there. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, do what? Forgive. If you have aught against any. So that means little things, big things, and mid-sized things. That your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Why is this so important? God cannot forgive you if you do not forgive others. I heard this many years ago and it stuck with me and it's, I can never improve on it, so. But it was this. An unforgiving person is an unforgiven person. Who wants to be forgiven all the days of their life? Then that means I, I can't hold anything against anybody. I'm not going to have any ought, you know, I heard a minister say this one time. A lot of people have alt, they have alt spray. Kind of like you have like insect spray, they have alt spray. You ought to have done this. You ought to have done that. You ought to have done this for me, <laughs> you know. Now, I know it's talking about alt like any kind of thing that's against somebody, but we can't have any of that. So practice the God kind of love. You know, the Bible says, how many times shall I forgive? Seven times? You know, Jesus is saying, Peter, boy, you're really out there right now. You, 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 you have such big faith. He said, no, I don't say seven times, but seven times 70. And that was in one day, 490 times. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Amen. And so when you stand praying, forgive. This is the only thing that Jesus says in the word that is a, there's other hindrances, but that's the only thing he recognized and said was unforgiveness. So if it stopped people then, then it stopped people now. 
The Bible tells us over in Galatians 5, verse 6, that faith worketh by love. So how is my faith going to work? It's going to work because I'm working it, because, yes, I'm feeding it. I'm meditating on the, on the Word. But if I, if I don't walk in love, it's like pulling the plug. Who's ever filled up, you filled up a bathtub, and, and you're filling up, and then you forget, and you go in the, uh, another room, and you come back and you realize, man, there's only like one inch of water in there. What's going on? It's, when you look and you forget to plug it. You forgot to, to, to shut the, the plug there. What if, you're, what if you have a lot going in, but you have just as much going out? It'll never fill up. There's drains in life that we have to watch out for. And um, I've talked about some of this before, like on building up your spirit, but it's like this. <clears throat> a couple of drains that we have to watch out for is fear, worry, and one of the biggest ones is strife. You know, you can read all 66 books of Isaiah. You can read Philippians for dessert. You can read... You can pray in tongues till you're about to float. But then what you get to, to get in an argument with somebody for 15 minutes and yeah, 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 you know, and what, what's going to happen? It's like somebody pulling the plug. That's why the enemy, he loves to do these kind of things. <clears throat> so it's, it's more than us just me getting in a corner and reading my Bible and, and I'm just not going to come out for 12 days. And No, you do these things, but... We, we still have to live in this world. So we feed our spirit. We meditate on God's word. We come to church. But we also practice the God kind of love. Why? Because my faith is going to work by love. It's, it's like a divine energy of, of, of faith. Faith worketh by love. That's why the Bible says, you, what if I have all the faith in the world, but I don't have love? It's like a tinkling cymbal and a gong. I remember in, <clears throat> when I was in the band in high school, we had this one song we played. And I think it's the only time the gong ever even came out. Most time it was in storage. And um, we played this one song. It was called March of the Dragon Masters. still remember. And this one part, and just, dum, it's just like, you hate to be the guy that's sitting right next to the gong. It just like rings in your ear. Well, what happens if, if we don't have love? We're just like a, a tingling cymbal. We're just sounding brass. We're just a noisy gong. I don't want my life to be something that's, uh, you know what I think of when I think of that? Annoying, a nuisance. I don't want somebody to look at my life and say, oh, they're just a nuisance. They're just, they're just an annoying believer. Why? Because I'm not walking in love. Let me turn over there just real quick and we'll, we'll close with this. Though I speak with the tongues of men, 1 Corinthians 13, and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains. That's what the God kind of faith does. It moves the mountains. But what does he go on to say? It's not just about us having faith. You know, one thing about it, I love faith. 
I hate doubt and unbelief. But faith is not just an a, a isolated spiritual force. We talk about it, we isolate it, but how many know it works with other spiritual forces like patience, all these other things. So he says, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. So to develop strong faith, feed, your word, feed on the word every day. Just like you feed your, your body. I like what Smith Wigglesworth always said. He always had his New Testament with him and he would, they would eat. But he was always thinking about the Lord, you know, and he said there was one time he was in a place and he just stopped the guy. He said, oh, oh sorry, Lord, we, we haven't talked to you about you in, in several minutes. And then he just, you know, and then he read the Bible. How I many you know that would arrest you right there from being silly and foolish? And so <clears throat> he had his testament on him all the time. And um, <clears throat> whenever he would eat, then he would, he would push away from the table. Then he would take out his testament and say, okay, now we've, we've fed our, our spirit. I mean, we've fed our body. Now let's feed our spirit. And he would read something from the New Testament. Why? Because he had the realization that, hey, I need to feed my spirit to keep it strong. I need to keep it built up. And that's something I do daily. Everyone say daily. Daily feeding my spirit. That was something um, Norval Hayes always said. Every day, every day, every day, every day. Something you do every day. Of course, he talked a lot slower than... Brother Hagin said, he says, Norval Hayes has two speeds, slow and slower. But he would, you know, just that real calm demeanor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But I believe as we do this, you know, the Lord's always preparing us. And the things that we speak about, we don't just come up with them and just pull something out of the hat. We believe that the Lord leads us and he has things for us that will prepare us for the days to come. And that's why, you know, we tell people, come to church. And we know that, that things happen, but as we come to church, as we read our Bible, what's going to happen? We'll always be prepared. We'll always be a step ahead of the enemy. We'll never be thinking, oh boy. We won't be like the people, the, the prophets that say, well, we never saw that coming. Well, they're more non-prophet than they are a prophet. But as we, as we pray, and that's why it's important to pray. We have prayer tomorrow. And um, we'll be here tomorrow. And, um, you know, that's why. You pray, you hear. You pray, you get things. You pray, you get the answer. And then what's going to happen? We'll be a step ahead. Have you ever felt like a step behind? You just feel like, man, I'm just kind of dragging. But if you can be a step behind, you can get a step ahead. And you do that by praying and especially praying in the Spirit. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet tonight. Thank you, Lord.
Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you tonight for your precious word. Lord, how precious your word is to us. Lord, we just give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. Lord, we just magnify you for who you are. We bless your name. Father, thank you tonight that you're making us to be strong, strong in faith. Lord, that we won't be moved by the the storms of life, that we won't be moved by the things that come against us, but we will be strong, strong in faith. Hallelujah. Lord, that we'll be nourished up, that we'll be able to take the enemy or push the, the works of the enemy back. Lord, I thank you that you're pushing the enemy's works back even now. And Lord, even as we give ourselves to, to your word, as we give ourselves to prayer, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your plan shall be fulfilled in our lives. And we just give you glory tonight, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before your presence. And we thank you for it. Lord, even as, as the book of Peter said that if we do these things, we shall never fall. Father, I thank you that we shall stand all the days of our life by your grace. Lord, that we'll be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.